sometimes we lay out plans and we think that we know how our future is going to be. We think we know what the future will look like. Probably what you were thinking about a year ago, you knew what your year would be and all the different things you were hoping to have happen. And turns out that none of that probably happened the way you planned for it. At least that was the way it was for me. I had all kinds of plans in terms of what we would be doing in the church and I had personal plans in my family. Um, some travel plans for that year, and much of those things never took place. They, they just couldn't happen. And if it's like that for you as it was for me, the year ended up being kind of a, a wash, kind of a disappointment, all kinds of changes. Some years ago, I was uh, planning to get a, away for a few days with my wife, Cherie, and we planned on a canoe trip. That's why you see a paddle up here. We planned a canoe trip. Now, at the time, we had a fair amount of experience canoeing, so we had decided to go down south. We were living in the Fort Lauderdale area at the time, was a pastor down there, and we decided to go to the um, 10,000 Islands areas of the Everglades. If you know where that is, it's off the west coast of the Everglades, and leave out of Everglades City and go down into the islands, out into the water, and do a primitive camping trip out on those islands where there is nobody, and just to get out in nature and enjoy that time. And so we thought we had it planned pretty well. We had all the right things in our canoe with food and things that we would need. And we had a chart of the territory we were going into with all the islands laid out, an actual nautical chart, not just a Florida map or something. And so we set out in the afternoon to head out a few miles to this island that we were headed towards, thinking that it was going to be what a wonderful time and we had it all figured out. Except, we didn't quite understand or predict how the tide was going to work on our trip out to the islands. It turns out that as we were going out in the afternoon, the tide was coming in, and not just a slow tide, but actually a pretty strong tide was creating a very strong current coming in as we were trying to go out. And so we found ourselves out there paddling in the water, no motors, paddling in the water, trying to go out to the island. We had a few miles to cover, realizing that every stroke of the paddle, we were only just barely maintaining our ground because the current was pushing us back, pushing us back. And so what turned out to be um, what we thought would be a couple of hours of travel to the island we were headed to turned out to be much, much longer. And before you knew it, it was getting dark. And actually, we were still going when it became totally dark. No moon, just dark. And I don't know if you've ever been out in the water like that when it's dark, but the, the water is dark. There's no moonlight, and so the water is black, and the sky is black. And there's really not much to go by to see the horizon or anything. And so we were out there, and we were looking at our chart, figuring out how to get to this island that was still a ways away, figured out in the right direction was a small red flashing light. Now, there was no light on the island we were going for, but we realized that it was the right direction because we had a compass and a chart. We could figure out that little flash, flashing light out there was the right direction. So if we could just keep our focus on that flashing light, probably more than a mile away, 
we would probably be able to find that island somewhere nearby if we were in the right direction, if the current wasn't moving us too much in the wrong direction. So we were a little uncertain, and we had just a canoe, so we were a little worried some other motorized boat might just come running around over us or something, so we turned on a flashlight, and we were shining the flashlight around, trying to see if there's anything we could see, and then paddling and shining the flashlight, trying to make sure if there was any island, we would spot it so we wouldn't miss the spot. And as I'm paddling and we're going along and everything is dark and black around us, all of a sudden I hear this really loud splash right next to my paddle. And of course it shook me, you know, it kind of startled me that there was such a loud noise right next to my paddle. And at first you don't know what to think, right? You're not ready for this loud noise out in the middle of nowhere. And I didn't know if it was a saltwater crocodile or it might have been an alligator or I didn't know what it was until the second time I heard it, I finally realized, had the sense come to me that it was a dolphin, it was a porpoise. And it had come up for air and made this really loud noise. And I, I identified it the second time because I heard it exhale, you know, this big noise. And I knew then that I was probably fine, that uh, unlikely that the dolphin was going to jump in my canoe. And so I was probably safe. But we're still out there in the dark and we're following this red flashing light and we're, we're shining, you know, trying to find our way. And eventually at some point, I don't know how long it was, it was a pretty long time and we were pretty unsettled and anxious by that time because it just seemed to go on forever. But we eventually were shining the light out and off in the distance, we saw a whole cluster of little beady eyes. And we knew that we had found land because all these little beady eyes was a whole family of raccoons. And they were watching us uh, as we approached their island. And they reminded us of that all night long. As we camped there and they continued to scurry around outside our tent the entire night. But this was their island and we were glad to be on it. Um, have you ever felt like that? Just kind of like anxious uh, out in the middle of a situation that you don't know how to quite bring to an end. You're just doing everything you can and you just keep going. I think this last year has felt a little bit like that. How about you? Um, we, we keep hoping it'll come to an end. We keep hoping that we'll, things will get better, that all of this kind of darkness and difficulty and things that create all this anxiety, uncertainty, just suddenly we could just get back to normal life and maybe we could just predict things once more to be more or less on an even keel and that things would not be so threatening and uncertain. But we're not there yet. We're not quite there yet. I still hope that we will. It reminds me a little bit of the story of Jesus and his disciples when Jesus had been with a cluster of people and he had been ministering to people and he had gotten tired and, and uh, he decided to tell his disciples, let's, let's just get away from the crowd for a little while. The story's told in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. Let me just say that for the next few weeks, I want to talk about how Jesus heals, because I think that through what we've been through, we need a lot of healing. Not so much just a healing of physical things, which we usually think about when we talk about Jesus healing, but 
And we often pray for physical healing, but I really think what we need right now is to think about how Jesus can heal our hearts, heal all of the things that come in our lives through this past year, the isolation, the loneliness, the fears, the anxiety, the uncertainty. And I believe that Jesus wants to heal us as we go forward, make us more ready to be voices for him. And when I think of the story, I think these disciples, he, he tells his disciples to come into this, to the boat, and they set out in the boat. Now, he's with a gr- bunch of fishermen. These are people that know what to do on a boat. And the surprise in the story is that as they go out in the boat, what seems like a calm Sea of Galilee, and I've been to the Sea of Galilee, and it, it's, you know, all deserty around there. You don't think of this as being a place, it's not like Florida where you get a big thunderstorm in the summer. But I'm told by the locals that a storm on the Sea of Galilee can really happen and can become really dangerous very quickly. And so the story of Jesus is out there with these disciples just trying to cross over the Sea of Galilee, which really isn't all that big. You can see to the other side. And they're out there, and the storm comes up, and the wind and the waves begin to really become strong. And these experienced fishermen who are used to being out on the sea in the boats become scared. They get really anxious. They get really uncertain about their circumstance because the waves are now splashing over the boat and the wind is blowing and they are thinking they might go down. And they're all in the midst of this situation and they're worried so much that they don't think about anything other than how are we going to save ourselves? And you know the, the old children's stories that probably a lot of us use with our kids, if you have kids, some of you are younger, but the Bible stories have a, a, a drawing in this and it kind of indicates like the lightning flashed and suddenly the disciples realize when the lightning flashed that there's Jesus sitting in the boat. So I don't know what they were thinking in the midst of all this, but obviously they were worried and busy that they weren't thinking about Jesus. And suddenly they realize Jesus is right here in the boat. And they cry out to him. This is in verse 38. They cry out to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, we could easily just read that like, don't you care about us because we might drown? I'd like to read it as, Jesus, aren't you afraid that we might all drown? We might all go down in this boat? Jesus, why aren't you afraid? Why aren't you, like we are, scared for our lives when you're over here sleeping in the boat? Aren't you afraid? And Jesus, he wakes up with they're crying out at him. And the waves are blowing over the water's edge and over the boat. And he simply stands up and he says, quiet, be still. Now, clearly, the water heard him because it stopped. The wind heard him because everything went calm. Now, I'm not sure, but I think maybe he might have been just as much saying it to the disciples. Quiet, be still, because they were also kind of raging. They were scared. But when Jesus says, quiet, be still, everything 
gets quiet because of who he is, because that's Jesus. And he has the power. He has the authority. And his own voice silences the winds and the waves. And he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? He might ask us that too, you know. With all that we've been through and all that we know about Jesus, who we follow, why are you still afraid? Where is your faith? Jesus heals us from all of our anxiety and all of this stuff going on by simply reminding us of who he is and asking us to put our trust in him. The beautiful thing about this story, maybe the most surprising thing about this story, is that through all of the circumstance and all of the scariness that was going on, Jesus was there the whole time. Jesus didn't just show up after they cried out. Jesus was already there. They just forgot to turn to him. They just forgot that he was in their presence the entire time. And as soon as they were reminded, as soon as they turned to him, they felt a complete difference. Now, I'll be honest with you that not every circumstance goes away. You know, I was paddling in the dark. My circumstance didn't just go away. I mean, maybe Jesus could have helped me walk on water and walk to an island, but it doesn't work like that most of the time. But I could, in my circumstance, put my trust in him and know that whatever happens, he's there with me and that he will be with me no matter what may happen. Sometimes we forget that the circumstances do not define the whole story. Sometimes the story is better written by understanding what's not seen rather than only what is seen. There are the things that make us afraid, cause anxiety that rise in a single moment. The circumstance of that moment, like disciples out there on the water, that moment was scary. And it came up suddenly, we're told. But sometimes the kinds of things that are scary are more difficult because they last over a long period of time. And those things that are uncertain and cause fear over a longer period of time because they simply don't go away can sometimes be harder on us than the thing that comes quickly and goes away. Things that linger over weeks and months and still we don't know the answer and still we don't know what it will look like to come out on the other side. There was a woman in Jesus' time that's found in just the very next chapter of Mark in chapter 5. Starts in verse 24. Jesus once more is with a large crowd. They're pressing around him. And there's a woman there who has been sick for a long time. She has suffered bleeding for 12 years. She's been to all the doctors. She's tried everything that anybody knows what to do. Nothing has worked for her. 
for her, and she is suffering. She's in pain. Her life is defined by her suffering. None of us have ever experienced that, probably. Maybe we have. I think we all have some kinds of suffering. Comes and goes. For her, it was never-ending. Year after year after year, she's been trying to figure the way out, but she has no answers. She heard about Jesus. She heard that that he was healing people, that he was helping people. And she comes into this crowd with some sense of hope. She comes into this crowd wondering if maybe Jesus could help her. But she has some sense that maybe there's too many people that probably she'll never get an audience with Jesus. She'll probably really never get his full attention. And so she says to herself, if I just, if I could just get close enough to touch his clothes, if I could just touch his robe, I don't need much from him. I just, I just need to touch his robe. And so she approaches in the crowd. And when she finally gets close enough to just reach out and touch his robe, suddenly all of the suffering, all of the pain, all that she knew in her life was changed. And she knew it immediately. The amazing thing is that Jesus did too. Jesus is there in the crowd and all these people around him, and as soon as she touches his robe, he knows it. And he says to his disciples, who just touched my clothes? Verse 30. Who just touched me? And the disciples say, they see all this crowd, and they say, how can you ask that, who touched me? Everybody's touching you. This is a crowd all around you. So many people, how can you ask that? But Jesus kept looking around, verse 32. Kept looking around to see who had done it. And verse 33, the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So we sometimes forget that Jesus is in the boat. And we sometimes forget that even though we may think that we are insignificant in all of the crowd, we may forget that just reaching out to Jesus in faith is all that we need for him to change our lives. Now her circumstance changed entirely. Sometimes ours doesn't right away. But we can be sure of this, that Jesus knows And Jesus loves us enough to heal our hearts and to make us whole in ways that we maybe sometimes can't count. So there's the fear that comes to us suddenly, fear that seems overwhelming in the moment. We all have had those times. And then there's a more difficult fear that's persistent and lingers with uncertainty and threatens us without knowing where the relief will come from. My guess is most of us have had some experience with that kind of fear. But I want to assure you today that Jesus knows how to step into every one of those circumstances. 
that he knows how to enter our lives and understand that it is through faith in him that we can have the confidence to deal with whatever it is in our circumstance. That whatever it is, if we will just keep our eyes on him, if we will simply turn to him when we know that he's already there, that even though we may think that we are not significant enough to get ourselves called out in the crowd, that all we need to do is reach out. And he will respond. Maybe you just need to pray. Maybe you just need to trust. Maybe we just need to tell ourselves that Jesus has promised to never leave us, never forsake us. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So look to Jesus. Reach out to Jesus. Put your faith in him so that he can be your calm in the storm. He can be the rest from the long strain of uncertainty. We're all feeling it. But we call ourselves Christian because Jesus makes a difference in our lives. So he'll make a difference right now where we are. We can do this because he is the end in sight. And he is with us right now. And if we reach out, he will heal what needs to be healed the most. That is our hearts. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you again for your faithfulness. While we are not paying attention, you're always paying attention. Nothing happens to us that you don't notice. Nothing happens in this world that is not somehow within your view. And yet today, we sometimes get uncertain. Sometimes we just feel the, the suffering around us and we kind of like cry out, how long, oh Lord, how long? Like the elders, the book of Revelation. How long? But Lord, you are already working the solution. Because the solution is always in you. It's in who you are. And that you are Jesus, the son of the living God. The one who loves us, died for us, and lives again to give us eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us, for always being with us. Help us to remember every day to reach out and accept you by faith. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.